afternoon, Cape Cod and the Islands. Welcome back. Episode 74 of the Cape Cod Sportscast. I am your host, Wesley Sykes. We've got another A-list celebrity guest coming up here around the Cape and Islands. We are talking to Sandwich Administrator for Athletics, Neil Murphy. Neil, how are you doing today? Doing great, Wes. Thanks for having me. Happy to join you. Yeah, happy to have you on. Thank you for carving out a little bit of time in the day here. Um, We'll get to to our usual segment a little bit later in the program, five questions that have nothing to do with sports. Uh, But before that, let's kind of start off the top here with uh, a little bit about yourself. How long have you been in this position for? Sure. So um, I'm starting my seventh year, believe it or not. I can't believe it when I say it. Um, I started here in the summer of 2013. And here we are starting our seventh school year. Um, and, you know, it's been terrific. You know, before that, I'd worked in one place for a long time. I was at um, Harvard University in the, in the athletics department for 16 years or so right mm-hmm. out of graduate school. And uh, and I didn't know if I would ever leave there, but I'm really thrilled with, you know, having landed here and the things that we're doing and the direction we're headed. And uh, it just it is pretty surprising to sit here and say I've been here for over six years. You know, it's it just goes by really quickly. Yeah, and, and we had mentioned, you know, I kind of see athletic directors everywhere uh, around, and your title is a little bit different, administrator of, of athletics, but that's not just in the high school, right? It's a little bit more encompassing. Yeah, than that. that's right. So when when I began to kind of make the transition from college athletics to high school athletics, one thing that I discovered is they're all different in a way. It's, it just varies by district. You know, it depends upon, um, you know, the size of the district, how it's laid out, those types of things, and. Um, so when I started doing my research years and years ago about, hey, what it, what it is I need to do this role at the high school level, um, it was very different. And so here in Sandwich, it was an administrator for athletics position responsible for oversight of um, athletics for grades 7 through 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, we were going through a kind of a redistricting period, which was a big deal down here. I mean, I, I caught the kind of tail end of the redistricting, but, you know, we went from three K to eights in town to, you know, a pre K to two. Uh, at Forestdale, a three to six at the Oak Ridge School, and then this school here, Sandwich High School STEM Academy, uh, became grades seven through 12. So I, I didn't know what it was like when they had three K to eights here and the enrollment was a bit higher, um, but it was very different. And I think our superintendent at the time decided that, you know, in order to have, you know, if we're going to do this and we need to put somebody in charge of oversight of um, athletics, and it needs to be an administrative position. And so yeah, when I applied, I you know, like I say, they were all kind of different, and um, this one is purely administrative and responsible for grades seven through twelve. So, my first year there, I was really charged with um, designing kind of a middle school program. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I knew what we were doing at the high school level. Coach Cosgrove had done a great job for years and years, and uh, so I inherited it, and in, you know, an, an excellent what I thought high school program, but really we hadn't done interscholastic middle school sports, and so. Mm-hmm. That, I spent a lot of time that year trying to figure out what that was going to look and feel like, um, you know, what we were going to play, what sports we were going to offer, who we were going to play. So, you know, who offers middle school soccer and field hockey, cross country, basketballs, like in our region. So we didn't have to go all over the world to play, right. you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and then at the same time, you know, I, I didn't want to cannibalize existing programs within the town. You know, um, you know, we have a lot of great programs for the for that age group in this town and so I didn't want to create something that would like I say kind of ruin you know participation numbers for sports so I did a lot of research reached out to um, athletic leaders in the community youth programs and just said hey what do you guys do when do you do it when does it start and and so you know for the past few years really since we've kind of gotten it going we've made a like some tweaks along the way because mm-hmm. it's it's just so predicated upon the numbers and then you know, we look at the participation numbers and we decide, oh, that's plenty to run X, Y, or Z, you know. So we have, some, we have so again, for the STEM Academy in the middle school, we have these interscholastic programs that compete against other towns, and it's awesome. And I think it's been a great feeder program for our high school teams. It gives kids an opportunity to get on a bus and compete against other schools and, and, and kind of indoctrinate them early into what it is we do interscholastically. And then then to to kind of provide even a, a, a more robust offering or program, um, we offer instructional programs too. So what that is, it's just that it's it's generally co-ed, it's instructional in nature. In other words, they're not going to compete against other schools. But sure. Yeah. It's been awesome. So uh, we offer now in the fall instructional volleyball, which is co-ed, which has been really popular. Great numbers uh, introduces them to the game. You know, and at the high school level, we have three levels of volleyball. 
again, super popular, great, great numbers. Uh, I, I think it's an awesome program, awesome sport. Um, so yeah, instructional volleyball, instructional fitness, which has been really important to us, and I'm sure we'll touch on it down the road here, but mm-hmm. um, which is, again, kind of a six-week program, twice a week for grade seven and eight, just to introduce them to those concepts, those strength and conditioning concepts, um, get them comfortable in there, uh, and, 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 and again, to, to prepare them for you know the future. Um, and then we have inst- we're fortunate enough, as you know, to have a pool in our building, so we right, offer instructional yeah. swim and instructional dive. Um, and again, same thing, 12 sessions, twice a week for six weeks. We offer that, those in the fall and in the spring. Uh, instructional fitness is offered three times a year seasonally, so it's offered fall, winter, and spring. Um, and so, so anyway, the, I guess I guess the point is like we, you know, I think we've done a really nice job of figuring out what it is we need, what it is kids want to do, especially at that level, and um, you know, putting it in place, and 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 and, and, and again, just kind of monitoring the success, the interest, uh, and how and how effective those programs are. So, so anyway, that's a long way of saying, I guess, um, yeah, things changed several years ago. Uh, I was fortunate to, to, to have been selected to be the administrator of athletics here. And, uh, I think, I mean, it's been a, a bit of a wild ride, but, um, it's been, it's been awesome. It's overall, it's been, it's been a great experience for me. And, um, I think we're doing some things really well and we certainly have work to do in, in areas, but overall, like it's been a great experience. Yeah, I think when you mentioned the the STEM Academy being in-house and building here, and, and you kind of touched on a little bit by saying it's a feeder program, uh, but also getting those eighth-grade waivers, that's something I talked about with a born athletic director, <clears throat> Scott Ashworth, and how for a smaller school, how important that is to kind of get uh, kids involved now, especially when there's so many options for uh, school choice, charter schools, private schools, uh, parochial schools. So does that help from an athletic standpoint, maybe having that system in place, kids probably understand what's expected of them maybe from the coaching or the style of play that they want to maybe stick around and say hey if I can excel uh, at this level in this school I know where where it's going to take me when I get in the high school ranks yeah without a doubt so you know as as we talked about we've got grades 7 through 12 in our building so we don't actually you know we don't have to apply for waivers per se if if they're in our building and they roll up under one principal which they do here we don't actually have to apply apply for waivers so uh, if they're in, if they're outside of our school and they fall under a different principal, that's when you see those waivers come into play. But we're I fortunate see. that okay. we don't have to. Now, um, what we don't do and what we haven't done and we will most likely never do is allow seventh graders to play at the high school level. Mm-hmm. I think it happens in some, you know, some really remote areas of the state. I think there are some seventh graders playing at the high school level. I think there was a high school uh, in Westport, a, a girl's basketball player, I want to say, yeah, who was played in yeah, seventh grade. And she yeah. went to Dartmouth, and now I think she's at Tabor now. It was a heck, heck of an athlete. Yeah. But I want to say she was a seventh grader. I could be mistaken. Yeah, we looked at it and just decided that, you know, that's 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 an awfully young age to be to, to be asked to compete at that level, even if it's at the freshman or, or JV level, you know. So, so we – and again, there are plenty of opportunities we feel like either in the building as a STEM Academy student or outside of the building in the programs that are offered within our town, you know? So we have stayed away from that entirely. Now, mm-hmm. as it relates to eighth graders, yeah, to be honest, we've really needed them. You know, I, it's no it's no secret that, you know, our enrollment is kind of where it is. It isn't where it used to be 15, 20 years ago. No, like I said, I wasn't here, but um, it just isn't. Uh, I think enrollments are down kind of across the Cape. Sure, I yeah. think the, the primary driver for us is really just birth rates. There are just fewer kids in our town and and so we've had to be, we've had to make some real adjustments along the way here in terms of uh, what it is we offer and, 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 and how do we fill our rosters. So we're fortunate in that in several sports, we can continue to offer three levels of a sport like boys soccer, girls soccer, boys basketball, girls basketball. We can offer three levels, but we really do need those eighth grade students to participate at least in that freshman level mm-hmm. so that we can kind of fill out our rosters and continue to offer those. But it's becoming harder. It's becoming harder to find freshman games because so few schools in our region offer three levels in most sports. Right. So we wind up kind of being creative. Um, we might play a JV team from a different school. You know, in other words, have our freshman team play their JV team. Um, or we'll play some privates. We'll have, we have relationships with, um, with Tabor, for instance. And mm-hmm. so we do that, too. We have to be really kind of creative to find them games so that they can com- compete at the freshman level. But, uh, no, the eighth graders have worked out really well for us. Um, and you're right. So just going back to what you'd mentioned, I think it is a great opportunity for us to kind of introduce them to, yeah, how it is we operate, how it is, what it, you know, what we're looking for in terms of their behavior, their commitment, um, uh, what it is, what it means to be, you know, a high school athlete, um, 
all of those things. And, and one of the things I think our coaches have done a good job of, and, and I really tried to emphasize when I got here is I really wanted our varsity coaches to own every level of the program. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I wanted them to certainly be a part of who it is uh, that coaches those levels. So if it's JV and freshman and even STEM, I wanted that person to have a relationship with them, know them, like, like, so you said, so that they can kind of speak the same language. So as kids transition levels, whether it's from STEM to freshman and freshman to JV or varsity, nothing comes as a shock to them. Like you say, the style of play, mm -hmm. even the play calling, the language that we speak. Um, so I really wanted to make sure that our varsity coaches know, hey, you know, you're not just responsible for the 15, 20 kids in front of you. You're really responsible for the entire program, for communicating with those assistant coaches that work at those levels. Uh, and forget it. Yeah, for getting kids, you know, um, helping them get to know you. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, retaining kids. I think the more comfortable they are with what it is we're doing and they're comfortable with the people that are in charge, be it coaches or administrators, um, in the facilities, you know, like – I just think anything we can do to encourage them to stay, to choose, you know, to stay uh, is a real benefit to us, and it's really important. And I think we do a really good job of that. I mean, now naturally, you know, families are going to choose a, a Catholic education or a private education or whatever it might be, but we just want to make it really difficult for them to do that by offering great programming here, putting great people in place that kids are ex excited to uh, play for in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, facilities that are you know enticing and, and they look forward to being a part of and uh, and, the, and and then programming beyond that as I mentioned strength and conditioning we talked about a little bit uh, our athletic training program mm -hmm. you know we want to just make it really difficult for them to say oh I want to go somewhere else you know I, and so I think we do a really good job but we're all up against that with you know private opportunities uh, charter opportunities and school choice in this region so it's it's really like you know we really need to it's almost like a college level kind of approach where you want to make it really enticing to stay. And I think right. we do yeah. a real, I think we do a really good job. Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, that, that kind of having that college approach, obviously with your background, you touched on that a little bit uh, coming over from the, the Harvard athletic department. That sounds fantastic. That sounds like a great deal. Now, I think in our, our conversations, you were saying, uh, did, did you cover the, f the football team or the men's hockey team? Or so, what, what were, what so I did, honestly, involved? I did a little bit of everything. I, as I mentioned, I was at Springfield college for graduate school. I was a baseball GA. So, I coached baseball for two years, earned a master's degree, mm -hmm. and between the first and second year in grad school, I did an internship at Harvard for the summer uh, and just had a great experience and made some really good connections, strong connections, and went back for my second year of grad school, graduated with a master's degree in athletics administration, and had an opportunity to do a 10-month internship at Harvard. So I took it, went there, uh, did a 10-month internship in what was called then, it was called athletic operations. Uh, and basically what that means is we, you know, it, it, it's changed so much in the last 20 years, that place, you know, mm -hmm. um, but we were responsible for um, oversight of facilities, working with our facilities crews, scheduling the spaces, scheduling personnel to supervise the spaces. So in other words, the student athletes that might have sat at the front door to supervise a, an athletic facility. Um, we were responsible for all of the contest management at our home games. So all the personnel that are hired to Run a, run a game. So whether it's officials or security or parking mm -hmm. personnel, we did those things. We had a, you know, and, and college departments are just so different. There's there's kind of an office dedicated to every element of that. You know, it's if it's not strength and conditioning or uh, media relations or marketing or fundraising and, and, and uh, alumni relations. Um, I mean, there's just so many divisions within the right. department. So my division was you know, for the most part in my experience there was kind of athletic events, athletic operations. Um, and it was awesome. The good news for us is we kind of touched base. We had to touch base with everybody. So we kind of, I got a really good sense of kind of what everybody was responsible for doing. And I just feel like we learned so much. We weren't just kind of pigeonholed to just one area. We kind of worked collaboratively with everybody across the department. And so I'm so grateful for the, the opportunity that I had within that role, that mm -hmm. events role, because again, it just kind of included everybody. Um, and then, you know, from there, I became an assistant AD um, responsible for, and, and our, we had hired at that point, um, we had, there was a new AD hired, and, you know, and he recognized that, boy, this place is so unique, and it is. Harvard is so unique, and, is, and it is so special. Uh, when I left there, there were 41 varsity programs. So, you know, playing at the Division One level, and um, it, it, it's just such a unique approach. It's, it's more of a Division Three approach in that they really provide this broad-based programming, um, but they've competed at the Division One level, right? Yeah. So you won't find they, that that's more Division One programs than any other school in the country. And now they've added; they have since added women's rugby, so it's forty-two. Um, so 
you know, the new AD came in. Um, his name is Bob Scalise. He's currently there. And he just looked at us and looked at it and just said, hey, I can't possibly um, devote enough time to each one of these programs. I'm going to spread it out among kind of our senior administrators. And so uh, as an assistant AD, as an assistant AD group, we had the opportunity to kind of supervise individual sports. We were basically junior ADs for those sports. Mm -hmm. And, like, what an awesome opportunity that was. We, you know, we really needed to get to know every element. So – you know, the recruiting admissions process. I certainly got to know the coach, the ki the coach and the captains, but every element from recruiting and admissions right through all of it. And, and you worked closely with that coach to put up fires and, and basically, um, you know, kind of clear the way for them to have success, their program to have success. And all of us were kind of assigned to, it varied a little bit, but five, six, seven, eight sports. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was an awesome opportunity when I look back because, you, like I say, you just kind of got exposed to everything. Um, and I worked with, yeah, so I did. I worked with men's ice hockey, women's ice hockey, wrestling, water polo, like you name it. They've got the sport there, you know, mm -hmm, squash, right, yeah. downhill, cross-country ski. Like, well, th that seems like a, like a great position. You get, you, like I said, you're getting Division One uh, sports that you're, you know, you know, a part of and covering and working for. Uh, you're at an acclaimed worldwide university, uh, you know, probably one of the top two, three, if not one in, in the world. Uh, wh why come to Little Old Sandwich? Yeah, so, um, you know – I mean, when I think back, I, I really I, – I kind of always thought I would be either a teacher, coach, or honestly an AD. I remember writing a paper that I wanted to be a high school AD, you know, mm -hmm. I, in high school. I remember writing a paper about it, you know. So I kind of always thought I would want to make a career in sport athletics. I just wasn't sure, exactly sure how. Even when I was at grad school, I kind of came to this crossroads where I'm either going to, you know, pursue a coaching career, a college baseball coaching career, or an administrative career. And like I say, Harvard kind of fell into my lap, and, and I really took advantage of that, and – uh, but then, you know, after 10, 12, 15, I was there for um, 16 years or so. Um, I have since started a family, so my wife and I have three mm -hmm. children. And, uh, you know, in working in Cambridge wasn't real convenient. We didn't necessarily want to live in or around the city. I'm a South Shore guy. And yeah. uh, so we were – we kind of bounced around a little bit, but ultimately kind of settled in situate. And, again, in the back of my mind, I always thought I, I would someday I would love to be a high school AD. Now, the difference is all those things that we talked about, all those various elements of a, of a department, yeah. now it falls on one person. Like, as <laughs> yeah. a high school, you own it all, right? Yeah. You, I don't care if it's marketing Not or Not exactly a big department or, right yeah. here that we're sitting right. in, right? So now you own every piece of it, and that's fine. And, and like I say, um, I, I just had this vision of, you know, if I'm going to be on the sidelines for a, a volleyball game or a soccer game or a football game, I wanted my kids there too, and that's kind of what I think we've created for my family, you know? Mm -hmm. um, my, I have children now in this district. We re relocated from Situate to Sandwich a few years ago, and um, and I've got a, a sophomore boy here at the high school. I've got a seventh grade boy uh, at STEM Academy and a fourth grade girl. So, so we're kind of doing that, and and I think in order to do this successfully, because it it is a challenging job. It's it's really difficult to kind of articulate, and I think. If you asked any AD in the state or anywhere, it is really hard to kind of wrap your arms around exactly what your day looks like, your season looks like, your year looks like. It just is. And, and it's not that I'm complaining about it. It's just, it's just wild. And mm -hmm. you kind of never know what's going to be coming down your road on any given day. But I just felt like I kind of needed to blend the two if I wanted to do either successful, either raise a family or be successful in this career. So um, that's kind of a long way of saying – you know, in the back of my mind, I kind of always thought I would work at the high school level. And then as our family started to grow, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to make that move. Now, the good news for me is I have, you know, great connections at Harvard. I still do. I, I mean, I love the people. I love the relationships that I created, that I developed there. People are kind of scattered all over the place, whether it's coaches or administrators. Sure, and, right. And we, we just – I love keeping in touch with them. I love going back. Uh, we'll go to a couple of football games each year. We'll go to hockey games, certainly. We'll go and really go in and out of there for, for anything and everything, you know. Uh, because as I stated earlier, it really is such a unique place, and I'm so fortunate to have had that experience. But um, like I say, after six years here, this has been an awesome experience. Like I wouldn't change it. Um, I love seeing my kids in the building. I love what we're doing here, athletic. I think four kids in the building, and and that's really ultimately that the driving force behind every decision that we make here is, hey, how do we make you know the athletic experience for the kids in front of us, you know, a good one, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and I think part of that, uh, to kind of touch on something that, that we had brought up previously, uh, with a smaller school, you want to um, have a strong athletic program, and obviously you need multiple student-athletes to do that. And, and in order to have uh, multiple student-athletes playing multiple sports, uh, strength and conditioning plays a big role in that, right? So obviously uh, that's been one of the, the cornerstones, I think, of this program, uh, this administration, I should say, with yourself and 
the second-year head football coach Matt McLean and athletic trainer Jillian DeCuffa. Um, you're putting in a new uh, uh, workout facility in there, right, that uh, I believe yeah. should be open to the public now. Um, what is the importance of, of athletic or, you know, strength and conditioning? And then where did you get that idea from? Because I know uh, as an Abington guy, South Shore guy, another small school that also kind of used that as a yeah yeah so yeah i mean generally it's just so vitally important to the overall health of any student athlete you know i mean and 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 when you know i got here and then you know it didn't start with me but it's it's always been i think important i just i just don't know if the resources resources were available whether it was facility or or funding wise for equipment uh, we had a really small space, and I think kids got done what they wanted to get done. But what I discovered when I got here is that most kids are doing their own thing kind of outside of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and from my perspective, I think the way to build a team culture and to get kids all pulling in the same direction is for them to train for their sport together. You know, I just think it's really important. And so, and that's, it's, and that's not like, you know, I'm breaking any. Sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. It just is. It's just <laughs> well known. Like if you work in a industry, it's really it's so much more beneficial for kids to train and work together. Now, when you mentioned Abington, I just, I think about Abington because like, as you said, I I went there, graduated a hundred years ago, but I just remember, um, you know, from a football perspective, the team struggled for a long time. Um, And it changed when probably 14, 15 years ago, when, you know, a couple of my contemporaries got involved, really, you know, vested guys that were interested in, you know, volunteering their time and getting that thing turned around. And I know it turned around because they made a commitment to the weight room. They made a commitment to, if, hey, if nothing else, we're going to train together, we're going to get stronger together, and ultimately this program is going to get better. And it has. Like, it's pretty amazing. I mean, they've won, I, don't, I think it's two or three Super Bowls in the last 15 years or right, something. Right, sure, and, yeah. And so even when I started, you know, at Sandwich six or seven years ago, I would, I would mention, oh, I'm from Abington, and, and people's reaction would be like, oh, that's a tough little town, tough little football program. I'm thinking it is now, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it got turned around because – that group, those kids made a commitment to the weight room, um, and then that was the culture that they established. They're like that was just what every that's that's what as the kids as the younger kids grew, they're like, oh, this is how we do things. It just became the norm, you know. Right. Um, and so for us, yeah, like um, we we needed to look. I mean, I remember, you know, s- you know, like I say, first started there in the summer of 2000, 2013. I walked around this building with Mike Pimentel, who's a really important figure in this community. Sure, yeah. Owned Compass Athletics, you know, trained kids and adults and just a super positive, knowledgeable, really unique person, uh, unique set of unique background in that he was, um, you know, he was an athletic trainer for a long time at Tufts and then mm-hmm. made the transition to strength and conditioning. But but more importantly, just the sweetest, kindest guy who, you know, uh, would do anything to help people improve, especially in that realm, you know, and. Anyway, he and I walked around the building, and he, and he had ideas. Like, he just – he was kind of surprised at what it is we had, and then we just said, okay, so how do we get where we want to go, you know? And so it started there with the conversation with Mike. And then, you know, and Richard Canfield at the time was our superintendent. It was really important to him. He was a sport-minded guy. Um, he was a, another Springfield College guy. And he recognized, hey, we've got to find a way to improve the strength situation in our building just to help all of our student-athletes. It's not about football. It's about – every program in our building, mm-hmm. doing it the right way, understanding how to do it and uh, and helping them improve their performance and their and, and their health and their safety overall, you know. Uh, but Pam Gould has been no different, another sport-minded person. She's been incredibly supportive of what it is we do. And so, so anyway, the last, you know, couple of years or so, we've been able to uh, find a new space in our building, out, equip and outfit that space. Uh, and it's, and it's, Certainly, it isn't perfect right now, but it's really headed in the right direction, and kids are really starting to buy in. And, and there have been a bunch of people in the building that have been really helpful in terms of uh, implementing a program that, you know, helps kids understand exactly what it is we're trying to accomplish, you know, because it's changed so much. I mean, from the days like the days when I was doing it, it's just changed so much. What they're doing in the room, it's much more dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's not just throwing around heavy weight. It's more about the mechanics of it, the um, – and so, anyway, we've got some great people, but you mentioned Jillian. Jillian is our uh, athletic trainer. She's been here for just a little over four years. Mm-hmm. But she has a real strength and conditioning kind of mindset and background, so it's really important to her, and I think she's been a great asset. And th- like I said, there's been a handful, there have been a bunch of people in this building that have raised their hand and said, hey, how can I help? So it's absolutely headed in the right direction. Uh, we've added a strength and conditioning class to our curriculum, which is mm-hmm. Dynamite. Mr. Mulcahy uh, and uh, Mr. Cosgrove, who is – our department chair for phys ed, put that in place. So again, just to try to introduce kids to it, you know, so that doesn't feel foreign. They're not scared to go in there. They feel like, oh, I belong in here. Whether I'm 
whether I'm a student athlete or not, you know, whether I intend to compete at the high school level or beyond, it really isn't about that. It's really just introducing them to the space, the equipment, the movements, the concepts, mm-hmm. and just to make just help make them comfortable. We think in the long run, absolutely, it's going to pay off. It's going to help our kids be be stronger and healthier when they do compete, but also just build, give them the confidence that they need to say, you know what, I'll put in all the work. Like I'm ready to go. I can I can do this. Whether it's a you know, it doesn't matter what sport, it doesn't matter what gender. Uh, we think overall it's going to really benefit the kids in this building. And so that's why it's become, you know, an absolute priority for us. And we've got it headed in the right direction. And then there's there's just a lot of people that have been supportive of that uh, yeah. of that effort. Well, I think uh, when I think of a, a weight room, uh, and obviously we're, we're, we talk about football a lot in that, in that conversation, um, I think it can sometimes within a school be a little intimidating when you, if it can be a little bit football dominant. And I think the idea of having a strength and conditioning program or, or class um, is a good way to kind of uh, take away maybe that stigma, for lack of a better term. Uh, but, you know, how do you go about doing, uh, you know, ensuring to the student body that it's not just football related? Yeah, in this, I mean, in this kind of social media-driven climate that we're in, I think Jillian specifically has done a good job of sharing videos and images of what it is we're doing in that room because mm-hmm. it feels like to me, you know, 75% of what kids do in there is is band work um, and it's body weight stuff. It's not, sure. like I say, loading up a bar with a ton of weight and humping it around the room. It just isn't that anymore. It's it's very, like I say, it's very dynamic movements that are designed to maintain your flexibility but improve your um, your strength or your cardiovascular stamina or, stamina, whatever it is, you know. Um, like I say, it has changed so much, and I'm glad that we have people in place that understand it better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want, you're right, we want kids, like I say, regardless of their age or their gender, to, to understand that um, there's something that you can do in there to improve. You just have to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, trust the people that are in front of you. Um, and, and, again, like what's going to come with that is some confidence in, oh, I belong in here. I know what I'm doing in here, you know. Um, but it's very different, like I say, and I think you're right. So, th- so the way to do that is, yeah, on social media to promote that. I mean, I had a great conversation even yesterday with our uh, Alfredo Alvarenga, our boy mm-hmm. soccer coach, as his game ended and we were walking off. And, you know, Jillian's done a nice job of trying to put in some in-season workouts for teams, which, frankly, is unusual. Maybe outside of football, it's unusual to think that, oh, the boys soccer team is going to get in that weight room once or twice a week. Sure, yeah. But, it, but again, it's, it, from our perspective, it is really important because they're going to compete practice and compete all season long they started on the 22nd of august it's really important for them to get in there maintain some strength continue to maintain their flexibility um, but alfredo saw it with his own two eyes yesterday and he said wow he's really impressed with what they're doing he wasn't skeptical he was just wasn't sure what they were going to be doing right in there. yeah um and he suggested that in terms of in, in an effort to educate the people that were hoping to get in there not only kids but also families just so parents understand wait a minute why is my why is my swimmer in the weight room? Why is my girl soccer player in the weight room? Mm-hmm. This is these are the things that we're doing, and they're really designed to, to like I say, to kind of improve just their overall health. It's not about getting big and bound and strong. It's really about, like I say, um, certainly improving and maintaining their strength, but their flexibility as well, their quickness, all of those things. And and I think kids are going to start to see a difference when they practice and compete. And I think, it, like I say, the goal is for it to just continue to comp- compound and. And kids are going to be excited about it. And then, like I say, it just kind of becomes the norm for us, you know. Uh, and, and all the while, like, what we'll try to do is just continue to make sure we've got in that room, in that space, what it is we need so these kids can, can get it done when they're in there and get it done efficiently. You know, that's kind of the goal. Get them in, you know, get their work in quickly mm-hmm. and get on to what it, whatever else it is they're doing, whether it's school-related or uh, sport-related or family-related, you know. But, um, but that's the goal. But it is very different. It's Like I said, the best way to describe it for me is just it's much more dynamic. Sure, it's not yeah. just a singular movement with weight. It's, it's, it's just a, a dynamic movement, and, and I love what I see in there, and I thank the people that, um, like I say, that have said, hey, how can I help? How can we introduce these kids to these things so we can see some, some improvement overall across the board, across sport, across genders? Okay, so I think uh, you know 2019 new uh, new sports season for you. Uh, a little different look, I would say as well. No longer uh, the Atlantic Coast League members. Uh, that is now a defunct league. No longer uh, Old Colony League for some other schools like Barnstable. Uh, we have the new Cape and Islands League, and that's something. Uh, if you've been tapped into the athletic, high school athletics around this area for some time, that's been an ongoing issue about expanding that Cape and Islands. Not issue, but uh, something that that a lot of Cape schools wanted to do, right? Expand that Cape right. and Islands League. So uh, talk to me about that decision of getting uh, being involved with the Cape and Islands League 
and uh, where exactly you fall in that because some of it, you know, you're some large schools, you're some uh, some in the large division, some in the small division, right there. So you're not exactly, uh, you're kind of right in the middle, I feel like. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, we're in the large division for the most part, but you know, we, I can get into that. It varies a little bit by sport, but, you know, the whole topic, the whole conversation itself really goes back to, I feel like it goes back to when I started here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I first started, Plymouth North and Plymouth South had left the Atlantic Coast League for the Patriot League. And again, I didn't know anything from anything necessarily. I just knew all of a sudden we went from a seven-school league to a five-school league. Mm-hmm. And to be in a five-school and league, it's just really... Weren't the Quincy schools uh, in Years in ago, there? they were, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep they were. Um, Imagine so that, traveling to Nauset to Quincy. Yeah. Something, you know, right. I don't blame them. Can't imagine. Um, so, so, so that changed. We became a five-school league, and I think... Uh, our AD group at that time started saying, all right, we can't really sustain this for too, too long. We can do it, you know, but, but what other options are there? So, you know, and one of the other driving pieces was really uh, Marshfield's involvement in our league. And, and, no, from sandwiches, from our perspective, Sandwich High School specifically, like we've had a great relationship with Marshfield. But the truth of the matter is they're twice our size. It's right. a really competitive town. Um, the, the programs are, are, from my perspective, are ec- excellent from youth right through the high school. And, and so for us as a high school to compete with a school that's twice our size and doing it really well was, was challenging in some sports. Not when we, for the most part, we competed really well with Marshfield, but there are a handful of sports where we say, you know what, that's a bit of a mismatch for us. And that's sure. probably not something we want to do forever. And we weren't the only ones saying that really we were, you know, one of, like I say, four or five schools within the ACL that were saying, what else, what are other options are there? And the other big piece is, is just geographically, does it make sense? You know, did it make sense, like you just mentioned Nosset, for Nosset and Marshfield to be in the same league and go back and right. forth all week long, all season long, all year long? Like, it really didn't. Sandwich High School geographically is in a good spot. We're in the middle, like, and so it's not a big, big issue for us, but um, – it is for some of those other schools, even Falmouth. It's not easy to get to, from Marshfield to Falmouth, you know. So anyway, that, like when I think back, was really the driving force in, all right, are there, is there any other solution to this, you know. So over the years, absolutely, this topic was on our AD meeting agenda for years and years. And mm-hmm. we'd have discussions about what makes sense and what options are out there. And the truth is, even as the dust settles on this move, there really is no perfect solution. You know, there just isn't, you know. Um, but this is a great solution. Like, so from my perspective, this is, this is terrific. So, uh, like, as you mentioned, as of 2019-20 school year, we are members of the Cape and Islands League. Now, the Cape and Islands League existed. Um, it was, you know, it's Nantucket, um, St. John Paul, Monomoy, right. yeah. uh, Sturgis East, Sturgis West, Cape Cod Academy, Falmouth Academy, some smaller schools. And so these bigger schools that were looking for a home, um, Sandwich and Nosset, D.Y. and Falmouth, um, we started to explore it, and we apl- and we applied, and, and and there were some bumps along the way, but we're finally off and running now. Um, Marshfield is, you know, no longer a member of, you know, certainly not a member of the Cape and Islands League. They're still looking for a home. I was going to say, where where do they end up landing? Do you? Do yeah, we they're know? kind of operating independently now okay. for the time being. I know they do have a scheduling agreement in place with the Patriot League, so That's I think what the I Patriot thought. League yeah. schools all agreed to play them once in every sport, and and then ultimately the Patriot League is going to make a decision on whether or not Marshfield belongs in the Patriot. Like. Um, I think they've applied in the past. I, I, don't, I think they've been denied, but this could hopefully this is the year where, you know, the Patriot League says, yeah, Marshfield belongs in here. I mean, let's face geographically it, that yeah. makes sense. I yeah. don't know about the size though. I still feel like they would be one of the bigger schools in that Patriot League. Well, um, not on, on the large side, they'd be okay. When you think about it, it's it's Hingham, Plymouth North, Whitman right, Hanson, yeah. Silver, Lake, Silver Lake, Duxbury. Okay. Yeah. Those are some pretty big competitive schools and. And I know most of those schools play them already, and so right, yeah. you know, so we'll see where that goes. I think ultimately the Patriot League is going to make a decision on that um, at, by the end of this year, like December, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we'll see where that goes. But you know, Martha's Vineyard joined as well. Barnstable has joined the Cape Cape mm-hmm. and Isles. So, so then we spent the last year or so really trying to put together the pieces, figuring out what it's going to look like divisionally. And so we literally, as ads, went sport by sport, figured out hey, what makes the most sense. Um, uh, in terms of where schools within the Cape and Islands should be aligned. Uh, we decided that for the most part it would be t- two divisions within each sport. So mm-hmm. we have a kind of a large division that we named the Atlantic Division and then a smaller division we named the Lighthouse Division. And so for Sandwich, for the most part, with the exception of football, we're playing in the large side. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, you know, we're still the smallest school within that large side, although, well, I guess we're you know, probably more comparable to uh, the vineyard we're a little lar- little bigger than the vineyard but so so anyway it's the whole thing has been it's been it's been really interesting uh, there have been some hiccups along the way for sure but but um 
it's, it's, it was a lot of work and we still have work to do to kind of, kind of just kind of dot the I's and cross the T's and, and, and get it kind of finalized. But uh, I'm really happy with where we are. It's going to create some kind of on-cape rivalry, renew some of these on-cape rivalries right, yeah. a bit. Uh, it gives us a few additional league games. So from a scheduling perspective, that's one of the real challenges of being a part of a small league. Like when we were five school league for a long time there, it's really hard to round out your schedule. Well, that was going to be my question, right? Because you could only really have an eight schedule conference or league league schedule for you, right? Yeah, you and got you eight have games. Eighteen to twenty games that you have to schedule for the regular season. In most cases, you got it. So that it left all of us in that position where, you know, yeah, like you say, we've got eight league games in a particular sport, and we need to find eighteen matches or eighteen games or twenty games in some cases. And so we were relying on the relationships that we created with the schools around us. But, but um, oftentimes, you know. They could kind of come and go. So, so those non-league schools, although we have great relationships with them, they could kind of pick and choose when they'd play us. And, and it might be based on, hey, I don't think our team's going to be that competitive this year. We're not going to play you next year. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we wouldn't have any. We, there's no recourse for us. We just got to go find an opponent. So it was a real challenge. We're kind of. I felt like we're kind of, you know, driving all over the place to find games. So now sure. within the Cape and Islands, we've got. Now we don't have mandatory crossovers. Oftentimes, when you create kind of a league where there's multiple divisions, you'll have what's called mandatory crossovers. In other words. The division, you know, that's just slightly smaller than yours or larger than yours, will at least agree to play you or, or be required to play you once. Right. We don't have that right now, and that's something we might see down the road. But for I the think time that's being, the case for the South Coast Conference. I yeah, think they do that yeah. a lot. Yeah. So for the time being, uh, we just have. We, I think we'll, I forget what we termed it. Maybe like a reasonable assurance that those teams would play us. And yeah. So <laughs> so so it does create a little bit of a situation where you know those schools, those larger schools, so ourselves and DY and Falmouth are kind of chasing those small schools for games, but so far so good. It's been, it's been great. Um, it's, it's a really nice group of people. I think that, that want to see, um, you know, this league improve, uh, and see it be, you know, a really good, good league within the state. And I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, still plenty of work to be done, but you know, from my perspective, it's, it's definitely an improvement from where we were. Is it ideal? No, it really isn't. If I'm being honest, because again, Sandwich remains the kind of smallest school in that large division. Right. Um, and you're talking about a, a division with Barnstable in it now, right? So um, there are times where I'm saying, hey, I got, I have a responsibility to advocate for our kids and make sure that we don't put them in a situation where they're overmatched, and um, which is the case with, with football. So yeah. as I mean, we were going through this off, process. We were just talking about yeah. that, right? With Severian. Yeah. Severian, right. Yeah. I just, so as of you know, sitting here right now, we couldn't imagine our football program being a part of that side of the, the league right now. I mean, hopefully down the road we could be, but the truth of the matter is, you know, we don't have the kind of numbers that some of those programs have. And so in that sport specifically, you've got to be really cautious and, and make sure you don't put your kids in a position where they're completely overmatched. And um, so, so, you know, going through the process of the last two years a year, um, we've had those kinds of discussions as ADs and we've asked for some relief in a given sport, you know, mm-hmm. for me personally, it's just been that it's been football. We've asked if we could play in the small side, the yeah. lighthouse division for this year. Uh, and we'll see where it goes from here. But yeah, because I think about it, you know, because still, even as it pertains to football, you're playing almost everyone else from the ACL anyway. Yeah. Right. Falmouth and Nas and DY yep. is still on your schedule, yep. I believe. Um, and then it, I look across the other sports and you're pretty competitive with Barnstable uh, and almost in every other sport there is. Without a uh, doubt. Maybe with the exception of volleyball, which I think everyone is kind of yeah, trailing right, uh, Barnstable right. in, that, in that respect. Yeah, and boys ice hockey too, where it's just such a, you know, a high impact, you know, high speed sport. You worry mm-hmm. about that sport. But they Trading hung with them last year. I think there yeah. was a couple games where, you know, there was one or two goal difference or something. I think Sandwich had a lead at, at the HYCC last year. You're right. Yep, you're right. Absolutely. Um, so we'll just monitor those things. And I think, like I say, everybody in the room, when we, we get together as ADs, everybody's very reasonable. And, and like I say, we feel like we're pulling in the right direction. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. But, you know, overall, we're excited about it. Um, uh, you know, we really are. And I think – um, it's going to be good for our programs and for our kids. And like mm-hmm. I said, to renew some of these Cape and Island rivalries. Now, you mentioned uh, traveling now and scheduling. That might be a little bit easier. When I, I was looking over the football schedule, I think it's back-to-back weeks. Uh, you're going to both island schools. So, obviously, I think that's a little bit of a wrench. Yeah, I, actually, I think we're hosting Nantucket. We'll oh, you are the vineyard, host- but we're okay. hosting Nantucket. Okay, so this maybe year. I misread that. Yeah, okay. I don't th- um, yeah that, that would is be tricky. tough to have to do, two, especially if it's back-to-back weeks, but to have to travel – to both island schools in a given season. Yeah, without a doubt. And, um, you know, I feel for Nantucket and Martha, Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, in fact, when I first everywhere. started yeah. here, I, I always felt obligated to find a way to play those schools for a couple of reasons because I felt like they were always looking for games and sports. And so 
Um, I hate the notion of like their kids not having the opportunity to be, you know, to compete and, and right. to have whatever it is, 16, 18 matches or games, whatever it is, right? So I feel like I was always willing to find a way to, to schedule those schools, and now they're in our league. I can't imagine what that looks and feels like just in terms of traveling. Now, I understand, hey, they chose they choose to live there, and, and it is what it is. But uh, um, the other side of it for me is that it's just such a unique – I feel like it's a unique experience for our kids, you mm-hmm. know, to get dismissed early, to head to the ferry, to take a ferry to one of the islands to compete in a high school sport. I just I, – I've said this before, but I have this vision of – these kids sitting with a roommate in college down the road or sitting with their grandkids someday and just mm-hmm. saying how neat it was for them to participate in a sport program that had them taking a ferry to a game. I just think it's kind of neat now. Yeah, and it's it, unique, it might get too. Old. It yeah. might get old for some of the, some of the Martha's Meet and Nantucket kids, sure. but yeah. for us, I feel like, um, you know, I just feel like it's a pretty unique, cool experience, and uh, and I don't, hear, I don't hear any kids necessarily complain about it. I know it's a long day. You know, we're headed to the vineyard today for field hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, our field hockey programs will get dismissed at 11.45, Catch the one o'clock boat. They've got a game at three. JV to fall, so it's a little bit of a long day. But again, I think they make the most of it. I think, uh, and again, in the time that I've been here, I haven't heard a lot of complaints. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a unique challenge. Certainly more more of a challenge for the vineyard. And, and they have to do and, it every and, day. And yeah. yeah. Um, but but overall, like I say, it, it's exciting. Uh, you know this the dawn of this kind of new era in terms of the Cape and Islands League, and uh, we're really excited to be a part of it. All right, perfect. So I think that wraps up all the hard-hitting questions I got for you. Now I'd like to <laughs> close everything, uh, every show, with a little bit of a funner segment that I lifted from uh, another program that okay. I like to listen to here. So <laughs> uh, so it's called Five Questions That Have Nothing to Do With Sports. Uh, so unlike these four first uh, portion of questions, you do not know these questions That's ahead right. of time. So a uh, little bit of a lightning round answer, <laughs> if you will. Um, what movie would you make someone watch from the last 10 years they had just woken up from a coma? Like Ooh, you have to see, yeah, you have to see this movie. I got to be honest, like I'm not a big movie guy, but maybe a TV show, maybe yeah, an alter like, or something. I do feel like I, I reference movies though, and now they're really, really old movies, and kids yeah. have no idea what I'm talking about. But we could do 20 uh, years. We could alter I, this I always, a little bit. I always, I always say, uh, Shawshank Redemption is one of those okay. movies yeah. that's right at the top of my list. I just think it was excellent. I've probably seen it a couple times. I know some people like see movies multiple times. Sure, I've probably seen it two or three times. I mean, I think that's one of them. Jaws is right at the top of my list, yeah. too. That's local. We're talking about going over to the island yeah. uh, today, yeah. right? Yeah. And then the other one I try to remind these kids that I work with to, to watch, the people that I work with. Uh, I mean, I loved Goodfellas and, and The Godfathers. Like yeah. Godfather 1 and 2 and The Goodfellas. I just love those movies, too. But a little no, a little uh, more rated R, but uh, right, yeah. great movies. But there's messages mind. behind. I was just talking about this with a friend. I don't think I'm ever going to see The Godfather. I've gone 32 years now without having a scene. I've tried to sit through it. I've always put it on like no too kidding. late in the night. Huh. I know what goes on. You know yeah. all the cultural references and the right, spoofs right. and everything. Like, I get the idea of it. Of, yeah, right. Like, I, I get the idea, and I, like, now I just feel like I don't have to get it. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. You're never really in a man uh, if you can't take care of your family. Like I get those kind <laughs> of ideas, right? I, I think I got it. Um, number two, best concert you've ever been to, and as a follow up, what is a uh, one bucket list artist or concert uh, you'd like to see? Hmm. Um, good question. So. Again, I haven't been to a ton. I've seen Pearl Jam a handful of times. I saw okay. Pearl Jam at the Old Garden, which was, oh, I remember, yeah, an awesome okay. experience. Uh, I remember seeing U2 back when they were really at the top. I, in fact, I think it was my birthday probably, I mean, really, like the early 90s. I was probably 22 years old. Sure, yeah. Um, but at uh, what wasn't Gillette, but I think it was maybe Sullivan's name at that point. Okay. I remember seeing that was a tremendous show. Um, yeah, I'd probably say those, you know. Okay. Is there anyone that you would like to see? Oh, um, Man, dead or alive? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Let's see. Um, well, I mean, again, I'm probably dating myself a little bit, but I do. I, you know, when I'm home on weekends, I f- kind of force my kids to listen to jazz. Mm-hmm. I like having jazz on in the mornings, on Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings. I want, for some reason, I want someday for jazz to remind my kids of like being home in the mornings on the weekends. Yeah, so, I think yeah, it stimulates so the, jazz the, the brain waves yeah, and everything. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I like it. I like just background. Not not that it's you know loud. It's just kind of background music. Yeah. Hopefully someday these kids, you know, the smell of coffee and the sound of jazz reminds me of like be growing up and being home. But okay. so probably some jazz mu- musicians, dead or alive, that I would like to see. see. I think the best concert. I'm a big hip hop fan, so I saw the Roots and Talib Kweli at a very small venue at the uh, the Avalon behind mm. Fenway Park. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. Uh, back when I was in high school, and that was just a really small, intimate setting, live band and everything. So yeah. that was great. And I think um, I would want to see like early 
Elton John, like mm. when he first came over to the States. Yeah. Huge, huge Elton John fan. My father actually saw his uh, first live American performance uh, no before like, any of his music had been released, uh, uh, you know, stateside or anything like that. And they're like, yeah. Who's this flamboyant guy jumping up and down on the piano? Like no one knew anything about him, but he put on a really great yeah. show. I mean, I, I now you mentioned I have seen Elton John a hand, not a handful of times, but a couple of times with Billy Joel. I remember he traveled oh, with Billy yeah. Joel for a few yep. years there, and we saw them a couple of different times. Um, and now you got me thinking about it. I do remember seeing James Taylor at Holman Stadium in Nashua. Okay, in like yeah. the late '80s, early '90s. Awesome venue for that. It's a tiny little, you know. Um, you know, semi-pro baseball sure. park, but James yeah. Taylor is an excellent show too. I know. You know um, what's going to happen is you're going after we get done recording, you're going to be thinking of these I know, questions. I know. I know. Like, I am oh, already. I, I am that. already. Yeah. Like the first show I saw was I think we saw Steve Miller Band in Boston. Okay. A small place. The Orpheum. Sure. Yeah. First yeah. band. First, that was the first concert I ever saw. I took the Red Line in from Braintree, and and then I remember that I don't know if it was the same summer or the following summer, but we saw Boston. Boston was here. Okay. In Worcester, I think they did like ten shows in a row. I remember seeing Boston and Worcester. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, you got, you got a pretty good <laughs> you got list me there. Thinking. Yeah. Uh, what is one food you could eat for the rest of your life without consequences? So, you don't gain any weight, uh, you don't get any cholesterol, really? blood clots, or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I would have to say chicken parm. Yeah. Like I'm a huge chicken parm person. And so it's funny, so is my mom. So, I'm like, if we go out as a family, I've got a big family, I've got there's six of us. And, uh, it feels like every time we go out as a group, my mother and I are getting chicken parm. Yeah. So I would say chicken parm for sure. I, I see. That's usually my go-to answer. Uh, <laughs> pizza, like most Italian food. I think yeah. I, I went over to Italy around this time last year. For every meal, I just had pizza and pasta, <laughs> and, and then I came back and it showed. You know, like, <laughs> absolutely. I could tell after that, I it wasn't no, exactly what I like the no consequences. consequences piece. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, which celebrity, again, dead or alive, would you like to have dinner with? Maybe share a chicken parm with? Hmm, a celebrity, huh? Well, I was a big baseball guy growing up. I mean, a celebrity athlete, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, just any, like, like public figure. You yeah, know? I mean, boy, I felt like Nolan Ryan was a, felt like a huge influence on me. Like, mm-hmm. when I was growing up, I, 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 you know, I certainly loved the way that he competed. I remember he wrote this Bible. I remember reading his Bible. I had it. I had this pitcher's Bible, you know, by Nolan Ryan. And I always felt like that's a person I would love to sit with and kind of pick his brain and mm-hmm. uh, and, and get to know him a little bit more. But yeah, just don't yeah. pick a fight with him, right? Because it's forty right. forty year old Nolan Ryan <laughs> like was still Ventura. taking out yeah twenty twenty year old Robin Ventura right. at that point, yeah. right? Uh, last question: uh, What is you're you're a married man, right? Yeah. What is your advice for someone who's about to get married this week? Oh yeah, that yeah. is exciting. Um, whew, boy, um, that's a good question. Well, first of all, enjoy it. Yes. Enjoy, yeah. like, stop and enjoy, you know, you've got a, you've got a rehearsal dinner Friday night you mentioned, yeah. right? And then mm-hmm. you've got, a, you know, a wedding on Saturday. So it's what I, what I, I just remember mine, and we just celebrated our anniversary um, on August 18th. And oh, congratulations. We are, yeah, so what are we? So that was our 18th. Uh, but I do remember thinking, wow, that flew by. All of a sudden you looked up. And it was over, and people are leaving, mm-hmm. and then you we left the next morning, I think, for Bermuda, and we kind of sat down and went, wow, all of that goes by so fast. You That's know? what everyone's so, telling me. Yeah, yeah. so from a, like specifically as it relates to the wedding, I'd say make sure you kind of stop and just kind of like take stock of what the hell is going on. It's just, sure. It's just such an awesome opportunity to have your friends and family in one place for an awesome occasion, and like so just try to stop and enjoy that, but um, – yeah, like, you know, I got this advice, I remember years ago um, when we were, I think even before we got married, we, uh, I remember we met and uh, we had this, you know, we had a, a Catholic wedding and we went to this thing called Pre-Cana, which is you, we met with the, the priest that was going to marry us and we talked about, you know, mm-hmm. he just, you know, it just kind of forced us to ask certain questions and uh, his advice to us was really good, I think, and it still holds up is make sure you find time at least once a week to sneak out and like get a meal. I remember him joking like, hey, even if you have to come find me and, and I'll give you money for, you know, a 12 pack of McNuggets. He said, make yeah. sure you find time to once a week to just get away from. Uh, and, and trust me, we're not perfect at it. Amy and I joke and, t- and talk about it all the time. We try to put it on the calendar. And next thing you know, you look up and a month has gone by and like, wow, we really haven't done anything. But I would say it is really important to do that and just kind of talk through what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. what are we looking What's what's upcoming? And just to spend some time alone. And I'll tell you, it, it gets really difficult to do, especially when you've got, you know, if you've got children someday, we've got a dog. And I know sure, you yeah. do, right? Yeah. Next thing you know, like I say, mo- a month or, has, or two have gone by and look, kind of look at each other like, wow, we really even haven't even had a conversation in the past okay. month. But I thought that was really good advice. Again, I, I haven't. Yeah, I like We that. certainly haven't done it. But if, if you say to yourselves, hey, one evening a week, let's just sneak out. Even if, you know, It doesn't even have to be a big expensive meal, but just right. get away from – 
the house, the housework, home renovations, work, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and just go look at each other and talk about, hey, what's going on and what's upcoming and, and just – I like I, that. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. Like I said, I wish we were better at it, and we still – we joke, joke and talk about it a lot, but – uh, it but is at least pr- it's cognizant, pretty, pretty even if you're not acting on it every week. You know, you're yeah. at least you're aware of that. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. now, you know, as I get older here, I'm I am really amazed at how quickly it goes by. Like mm-hmm. a week, a month, you know, a season. All of a sudden, you look up and like, wow, I can't believe it's whatever. It's Christmas season, and you know, I felt like it was just the summer. So yeah, yeah, we we got to get better at it. I thought by putting it on the calendar. Um, we would get better at it. We have a share course like everybody else. We have a shared Google calendar with all the stuff that we need to accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all it was on there. But then it turned into like this reminder of we didn't do it. Like <laughs> week after week, I'd look at it and go, oh, here it is again. We yeah. didn't do it. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, that I, I felt like that was good advice, um, you know, years ago for us. And and I hopefully we can well kind of kind of improve on it. But you know, for for a newlywed couple, of you guys, I think that that's a. Some place to start. I like that. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to keep that in the back pocket. Terrific. Uh, well, Neil, thank you very much for the time. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have this up on Friday uh, at capenews.net, of course, and anywhere where you can uh, listen to your podcast, uh, Cape Pod Sportscast, episode 73, 74, I think. Yeah. Uh, Neil Murphy, thanks Terrific. very much. Thanks so much. And I just want to say I want to thank you, oh, especially okay. Wes and Rich McClellan, yeah. for just the, the what you guys have done for us. And I know it's not an easy business, especially now you see it. It's kind of one of those things that can easily get cut. And, and for yeah. us, we're so fortunate that, you know, you've been so committed to c- doing what you do and, and, and covering uh, our kids in this building and our programs. And uh, we probably don't say it enough, and you probably don't hear it enough, but we really, truly, everybody appreciates it. Not only oh, myself and the people yeah, in my office, you. but families in our community, kids in our community, and the people in this building. So. Thank you so much. All right. Well, great. I'm I, uh, not going to bash you anymore then. All those, all those <laughs> bad questions are all off the table now, right? You're, you're sweetened me up now. Uh, but, yeah, thanks very much. That, that really means a lot to me. So I'll see you in a couple weeks. Terrific. Good luck. <laughs> thanks. All right.